The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I am here with my co-host Brendan, and today we have ALN from the Almighty Project Mismore joining us. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time. Hey y'all, thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, so just for anyone who doesn't know you or your music, do you want to just maybe just tell people a little bit of what, about what you're about? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mismore is a, a one one person project that I started in 2012. Uh, it's black metal and doom metal kind of mixed together with some droning passages and acoustic passages to connect the two sounds. Uh, it began as a way for me to process my loss of faith in the Christian religion. And over the course of the last, uh, I guess, almost 11 years now, uh, it has kind of been my journal and therapy for uh, that journey, which has gone from struggling Christian to agnostic to atheist. Nice. What awesome. made you um, go with uh, like um, like Hebrew uh, themed stuff? I was studying the Bible abroad at a school and had recommitted my life to Christ. And I was really inspired by uh, the poetic books of the Bible, which includes the book of Psalms. And the Psalms, uh, a lot of them are actually kind of dark and um, confused and sad and embittered um, pleadings with the Lord. And uh, that became kind of my story as well. And I uh, used that that Hebrew word for psalm, which is mizmor, uh, as the yeah. project title. Nice. Yeah, I just have to say that I um, I connect very strongly with uh, the concept behind the project because I went through the exact same experience uh, myself. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, I was raised in a religious household, and then I had that that sort of crisis of faith in my teenage years, and then gradually progress from like you said agnostic to, to atheist and it is it's a bit of a jarring experience uh, as you would know um it isn't like as simple as people think it is if they just talk about it loosely like oh yeah i just stopped believing in god because it's your whole worldview um it, and your identity to some extent is based in that and it's kind of shatters your reality when when that changes yeah that that's absolutely right i mean i'm i know it's easier for some people than others um for example, uh, mem different members of my family have, you know, one person has, you know, like, oh, never really believed that strongly and just kind of always, it, it was easy for, for them to, to distance themselves from the faith. And uh, for me, I like became really invested in it. And so it was like a, a huge loss and totally like earth shattering and turned my worldview on on its head uh when mm -hmm. when that happened for me and it was it was painful and hard um so that but that, that was just that was my experience i know some people have an easier time definitely um yeah and i mean it's it's not one of those things like because i've had i have like obviously a lot of family members and, and older friends and stuff they are still religious um and sometimes i feel like they don't grasp the concept of you're not choosing 
um, to not believe. It's not a matter of choice to, to no longer believe. It's that you can't because you've either come to a realization or experienced something um, that makes it impossible for you to do that anymore. Um, at least that's my my experience with it. I'm sure everyone's different. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, that's that's definitely how I felt. It became disingenuous to continue practicing, although I did as long as I could, and that just kind of slowly fell apart until I... Me too. Yeah, same experience for me. Um, there's actually an album that I think you would appreciate um, that came out end of last year-ish uh, by a... French Canadian band called uh, Givre. That's G I V R E. I'm probably saying that completely wrong. Um, the album's called Destin Messianic. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I have not. But it's the exact, uh, exactly what we we're just talking about. It's literally uh, a journey <laughs> through a, a loss of faith. Um, but it's it's based very specifically in Catholicism. But I think you would appreciate the uh, the thought behind it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I would. That sounds interesting. Um, so. We wanted to get you on for a couple of reasons. Obviously, one that uh, we're big fans of your music, uh, as we talked about before we started recording the show. Like I caught you live in San Diego, brick by brick, with I Hate God, absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's a performance that's stuck with me since. So, the second that we talked to, um, who someone put us on to you, it was um, I'm trying to think of the, the name of the podcast now. I'm blanking. Um, noise Dosage yeah. Media. Yeah, no, noise Dosage Media. Um, yeah. yeah um put us on and said that you're open to podcasts so we thought we'd have to reach out and we appreciate you taking the time to actually come on um oh hell yeah awesome i'm I'm glad you caught that show and enjoyed it that was a that was a really fun tour for us it was our um you know our our re-emergence into the world as a live act post covid so was it the same um live lineup before covid or did you change members following that there was one lineup change. What uh, one member? Uh, actually, it's kind of a funny story. Um, so, this uh, person that I've made music with for practically my whole life, um, professionally, he goes by MSW. He has a project called Hell that uh, I also uh, am a live member of. He was uh, Ms. Moore's drummer since we started playing live, and then he moved from Oregon to Texas right before the pandemic started. And so uh, I had my close friend, Nate Myers, who was also a live Hell member at the time, start playing drums. And then uh, you know, two years passed essentially. And um, the reason why, uh, I'll just call him Matt, I don't think he cares, MSW Matt uh, moved out to Texas was a school program and that finished and he moved back to Oregon before we had even played a show without him. Uh, but when he got back, our guitarist Kento uh, had other things going on his, in his life and he wasn't able to perform live with us anymore. So Matt came back as the guitarist when he was the drummer before. So. So that that was the the lineup change. Uh, we we got Nate on drums and we moved Matt from drums to guitar and lost Kento. But for me, there this is just these are all uh, really close friends and um, people that we've all played in each other's bands for for a very long time. So it, it doesn't feel like much of a change for me. It's just a, a different member of the family helping out. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome because you have that chemistry already built, which is fantastic yeah yeah absolutely that's that's important to me and 
also it's important to like have fun with the people you work with and and like being around them like there there's a couple a couple aspects that are important to who who is in your band and musical chemistry is certainly one but also just people you like to spend time with is a big one too yeah sure mm -hmm. yeah i think it, it translates on stage as well if you have that existing chemistry too yeah that's that's the hope i, I think it does it certainly certainly feels like that when we when we play together so we wanted to obviously talk about a couple of of your releases um you, you had some stuff come out last year uh that made a lot of end of year lists uh top albums of the year type thing um Ooh, yeah yeah we'd like to start if we can with uh talking about that collaborative album with thou uh myopia yeah yeah for sure uh that was that was a really fun album to make what what do you want to know how, how did the collaboration come about uh, who reached out to who well thou uh i've been friends with with the members of thou for for quite some time now um i've been fans of their music for even longer but i met them and um kind of became part of the same network uh through performing with hell uh probably on a tour in 2013 or 2014 we we played with them and and hung out with them and uh hell had done a split with them um so so we kind of started a personal relationship um as far back as you know 10 10 years ago or so uh and then we just you know continually would, would cross paths over the years at uh fests and shows and and whatnot and just being fans of each other's music um, so the groundwork was, was already was already laid to to do something um, creatively together. But let's see, how did the idea start? I think there was some uh, like casual social media exchange where someone suggested that we do a split together, and um, that that turned into talking about uh, working together, which which turned into. Um, the idea of collaborating as opposed to doing a split and we just talked for a bit and eventually you know recorded ourselves playing guitar and sent riffs back and forth for a while and um that turned into having a couple skeletons of songs written and hashed out and then needing to go visit them in new orleans and get in the same room as as one another so it was kind of a hybrid of of remote and um and close uh present in the same room i don't i'm blanking on a concise word for that uh a, approach to the uh, the songwriting that there were three trips in all and lots of lots of uh, digital communication before the album was finished well, it came together perfectly i mean it's uh you guys yeah. sound like you've been playing playing together for years like it's, it almost feels like an existing project oh thanks uh yeah yeah i was i was pleased at how it came out because it it's a i think it's a natural blend mm -hmm. um but there's also enough uh uniqueness to each project uh that it doesn't just sound like um you know it's it sounds like both together and yet neither at the same time like a new a new thing um but but easy to parse um so so yeah and it, it was um it was really cool for me because we hadn't Mismore hadn't gotten back together to do live rehearsals yet since uh 
since kind of going into quarantine mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had like done a bunch of practicing to prepare for a bunch of shows that got canceled. Um, and we were just kind of waiting until everyone felt safe to start working again. And there wasn't really any reason to start working again because um, we didn't have anything booked because of the state of the world still. So the first time that I played live in a room of other musicians playing heavy music uh, was with Thou. And um, they were, I mean, they've been one of my favorite bands for the longest time. Yeah, To kind of like have these songs that I wrote and then have like the heaviest band alive play them with me when I haven't like been in a room with a live drummer in two years was like, whoa, this is sick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I guess, uh, how did it feel kind of bringing sludge into your sound? Did it feel kind of like a natural addition to to your your overall sound? Or was it sort of like a, wow, this is very different? It it felt really natural. I mean, Ms. Moore's had some sludgier parts over the years particularly some of my earlier stuff was pretty sludgy um pro- mm-hmm. probably uh, as a result of being influenced by thou for one mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah i think i think it was a fun marriage because i mean that thou does this too but ms moore uh has a tendency to to like do a more melodic or pretty or epic kind of sound and mm-hmm. um to kind of to kind of do that but tether it to like a nasty uh sludgy kind of misanthropic uh punishing sound uh i think made for a really really fun like riff heavy album yeah definitely it was very yeah. riff heavy it was awesome um then i guess that before that you had uh what's end uh that was the the ep yeah yeah yeah, so that one, uh, from memory, had two different parts to it. So, like a first half and a second half, and they were both very different to each other. Um, yeah, that's right. What was sort of the inspiration behind doing such a vastly different album in two halves like that? I kind of just, I, I like to take, you know, like the split or the EP um, or the single as kind of an opportunity to be more experimental and just kind of get weird. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that, w- that was kind of my my thought process there i've uh, gotten really into ambient music and um Mm -hmm. i was i was making some ambient songs and rather than like make a new project i just decided that like hopefully there's enough of my fans that'll just go there uh, uh, that are just here for the ride and also like that kind of music and um i can just i can just start you know do it just doing what i want to do and sometimes that's going to be a more like traditional mismore sound and sometimes it's going to be weird and uh i just i just kind of wanted to get weird and and thematically it it worked really well for me because wit's end with broad strokes is kind of uh you know like a negative comment on potential direction that humanity is going in a dogmatic conspiracy theory religious magical thinking based uh mindset and so the the first song wits end the the heavy song is kind of has that 
vitriol and that comment on the world as I see it going. And mm -hmm. then the ambient song Paridolia was actually a really old song of mine, uh, a, a Christian folk song, a dark Christian folk song that I had written before starting Mismore. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the same idea of what Mismore was going to be of like kind of a sad psalm to God. Um, and I took that song and, you know, did certain modulations to it, stretched it out over time, did some stuff in reverse, distortion, reverb, tape, like all that kind of stuff to make a, a, a long ambient song out of it. But con conceptually, I, I bring that up to say the B-side of the record is like an example of a person that's in this magical thinking uh, mindset. So the, the first side is like the comment on that. And then the second side is, is just a firsthand experience of that delusion, that, uh, kind of otherworldly, surreal, magical soundscape. I think like going back, awesome. to what you, going back to what you said in that, uh, your answer, I definitely think that your followers, uh, your listeners have an appreciation, I guess, for the, the esoteric and the ethereal. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that translates well to the, the ambient and dark ambient side of things. So I think it makes sense for your project to go in that direction at times. Awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I at least know that most of my fans uh, are patient when it comes to, I knew it wouldn't be for everyone, but I, I knew that probably the majority of people can, can sit there for 15 minutes and listen to an ambient song without uh, getting too impatient. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not like the uh, the response to blood incantation. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> People were <You're>, angry. <laughs> the album art, too, um, really kind of like envelops your little, your theme with that. You know, it's like like you're going through that little the, the opening mouth. You know, and like that's just like transcend yourself. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have I have Justina to to thank for that because we we worked together to to make sure that, that the themes would translate into the painting she did. And it was, came out really awesome. Yeah. And, and you and did so, actually, so did, people, oh, sorry, so people were really, really mad about the blood incantation record. Cause I, yeah, loved, yeah. Loved their their, it, their fans great. were furious. Like, uh, I, I have them saved somewhere cause I found it so funny, but a bunch of screenshots of people just losing it in like death metal groups on Facebook. Like, uh, I waited 30 minutes and the album didn't even start. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aren't there better things to complain about? It's not like they're not going to give you another rip and death metal album in the future. Oh, exactly. of course. They just had some fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. You just yeah. like, you can't support a band having like, uh, like a good time. Like, also, like, maybe they should wear some earplugs and they could probably hear some more notes and tones in there, you know, like, because that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, that's actually one of the records I, I listened to the most last year. Yeah, it was nice. It was like a chill album. I, yeah, I like, it was. I'm an ambient fan, though, so it, it makes sense. I, I like ambient and dungeon synth and all that stuff. So, um, but uh, I think the funniest one of those albums that where a band put out something completely out there uh, was uh, Side, you know, that Japanese band Sai. I don't know them. Okay. Uh, they're like progressive black metal, been going since like the 90s. Um, and they put out this stuff saying our next album is going to be like the darkest and the heaviest we've done and stuff. And then it dropped and heaps of people pre-ordered it and it came out and they did a power metal album. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
it's really good though it's like a genuinely good album um but it was like so left field that a, a bunch of people were like what is going on <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean you um before we change topic from the ambient stuff you did do uh, a split album didn't you uh before that it was called uh dialethia uh with andrew black with yeah that's right it, uh we did a collaboration album together uh a- andy and i have been friends since we were in fourth grade and we've been making music together literally the entire time uh he's also a live member of mesmore and awesome. he um cool. he he makes uh ambient records that's his thing so our our challenge was to try to make some sort of blend of our sounds um to make a sort of sludgy dark ambient record uh w- with no drums um and yeah, I, I hope that uh, you know enough people are paying close enough attention so that you know a, a record like Wit's End isn't so weird for them because I've I've mm-hmm. already kind of been been dabbling in this sound. I um I actually really like that that collaborative album. Um, I, I put it on while I work sometimes. I mean, that's like my favorite thing about ambient and dark ambient stuff. You can just put it on and like still get stuff done and not like have to pay full attention the whole time. Yeah, that's true. I like mm. it. Not that like not that I don't pay attention to it because it is you'll miss stuff if you don't. But it's like it's not like a hundred percent demanding your attention like something complex riffs and lyrics and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I mainly listen to ambient while I while I work. And then uh, I guess that brings us back to um, Ken, which was the album that I saw you play live. Um, I think y- your show is dedicated to that album, I believe, a brick by brick. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that was fantastic. I think I think that was one of the shows we had enough time to play the whole thing at. There were a couple we only played three quarters of the record, but I think you played the whole thing from memory because um, I think you had at least a solid half uh, over half an hour um, to play it. Yeah, I, the the record the record's an hour. Um, oh, but, but I think oh, of course it's two halves. That's right. It's two. Okay. I think that uh, I think there were only two bands at the i hate god show so that so we were free to to take up an hour so yeah i'm pretty sure that we did play the whole thing there but yeah i just um you know kind of how i was telling the story of our our lineup change and how the how the pandemic was affecting us um i put karen out uh summer of 2019 and we did go on a short tour afterward um but we only played one of the songs from that record we did kind of a mix set so i i still hadn't had the experience of like doing the proper album cycle tour on it and before everything got canceled we were preparing the full album set to play at roadburn and a few other festivals and then all that mm. shit, all that shit got canceled so i was just kind of like well again just hoping like everyone will go there with me but uh i'm gonna pick up where i left off even though the record is you know uh, it's almost four years old now but at the at the time of our tour three you know a three-year-old record i'm still gonna i'm still gonna try to at least for me personally uh do it some justice and feel like i went and played those songs everywhere even though it's not new anymore yeah, and then you had that incredible artwork as well from uh, Marius. Um, I, I always pronounce his last name wrong. Lewandowski. Yeah, I say. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that guy's prolific. Mm-hmm. Was, was. Yeah. yeah, passed yeah. away last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was sad. 
feel very uh, honored to have worked with him. He also, uh, this one wasn't commissioned, but we did license uh, a different piece of his for the uh, live album, Yod Live at Roadburn 2018. Um, so two, two of his works grace my records, and I feel very grateful for that. Very cool. Who did the, um, the artwork for, for Yod? Zdzislaw Bichinski. Okay, because that one's like, that's an iconic image. Like, that one's always stuck with me from the first time that I saw it. Yeah, he's um, he's a old Polish master. Uh, he's been dead for a little while, and I licensed that piece from the historic museum in Sanok, Poland. It's awesome. It's very cool. Yeah, it's very haunting. Saw it somewhere and was like, I, that's like the perfect image for how this record feels to me. I have to figure out a way how to use it uh, in a legitimate sense. I mean, his work gets uh, used a lot in underground metal um, by bands and for albums that going to get enough press for it to be an issue that they've essentially stolen it. And, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the world I was brought up in. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted I had high hopes for the record and it was like, I have to do it legit. And luckily I was allowed to, and it wasn't outrageous to do, but I, I think, nice. I think it has changed since then. I've talked to other people that have tried to license his work and that it's just outrageously expensive and not tenable anymore. So I kind of lucked out. They had a, they like changed some staff members and stuff. And I, I, I think I got in there at the right time. You got lucky for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah beat the rush yeah i uh i actually remember a few years back there was that weird craze on um social media where people were using some app that made pictures like of people dance and sing so animate their faces and um someone used it on your album cover and um it actually worked the software allowed it for some reason so the big face in the middle was actually like singing and dancing in this video (laughs) that someone made using the app Nice. And I think it, it was too something <laughs> yes. ridiculous. It was like, um, it was too like a, to the like YMCA, that song by the village people. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know if you saw that circulating, but that was going around for a bit there in some black metal groups on Facebook. You know, <laughs> I've seen lots of Yod memes and I love them all, but I've never seen that one. That sounds great. <laughs> if I ever come across it, I'll, I'll email it to you again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the main albums I wanted to discuss. But, uh, Brenda, do you have any questions you want to ask album-wise? Um, we kind of covered it just talking with... I guess the, the one other thing I, I would add from my camp over here, I can't say too much about it, but at this point, uh, very recently, I announced my new record, Prosaic, which is coming out uh, on Profound Lore Records this summer. Oh, I, miss, I missed that announcement. That's awesome. That's very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. It's a it's a new. Uh, it'll be my debut with Profound Lore. I've been working with uh, Gilead Media for the past um, seven years. So, on to something new. Uh, very exciting. Nice. They're they're a fantastic label. So you're a great company there. Nice. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I guess. Um, have you uh, got anybody uh, that you worked with new on that one coming up that you can talk about at all or no? Uh, yeah, I can say a little bit. I I actually have didn't work with anyone new on the record. Uh, I've kind of 
I've got some people I really love working with that I just want to keep evolving uh, the sound with. And uh, mm -hmm. so, I, so I worked with Sonny DePerry again. He mixed Cairn and he mixed Yod. And um, also worked with Adam Gonsalves, who uh, mastered those records as well. And um, we're just, you know, what's interesting me about that kind of thing is you can listen to what's changed over the years. You know, you have the same people but maybe there's new gear and of course there's new techniques and everyone's yeah. always getting better and changing their approach. And so, um, I, I, find it, I found it interesting to just take a song off prosaic and take a song off Karen and take a song off Yod and just like 30 seconds, listen to each one and be like, and just broad strokes, like, wow, this sounds this way compared to that and et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I'm quite quite comfortable working with those guys. I think that they're just simply the best in the game, and um, I I'm super stoked on how the record came out. Awesome! Oh, yeah. we can't wait to to hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm uh, I'm excited for that. I saw um, you were uh, you had a bunch of cool um, long sleeves and whatnot. Did you um, paint that? The um, whatever I want to call it yeah uh, I had, oh black I had, flame yeah the yeah uh that's a that's an illustration i did and um there was one i did uh a while ago uh that that i called uh field uh long sleeve Th those are both uh illustrations that i did um which is a newer thing for me kind of uh putting my personal artwork on my merchandise um Nice. It does. Yeah. I love it. Love the sleeves with the, the logo going the whole way down on both sides. It looks awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so I guess we, we want to kind of kick it back to a little bit old, more old school project of yours and kind of talk about Sorceress, if that's okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's appropriate. There are records coming out next month. Yeah. I saw that. I so that's, that. A it's a reissue, right? Of the um, full length Beneath the Mountain. It is a reissue yeah the music is from 2009 but it's never been on vinyl before it's only ever been on like self-released cd by the band so this oh, is a awesome. big deal for us that you know 14 years later we finally get like the full treatment <laughs> that's fantastic and so i mean for anyone who's not familiar with the project um what would you say sorceress is is that that uh, stoner doom yeah, stoner rock, stoner metal. Um, it's psychedelic. It's experimental. Uh, and this was a band. Um, I think we started in two thousand eight, but we were a different band with the same members right before that, called Love Machine. That was around in like two thousand six and seven. So that band just kind of started progressively getting heavier until we rebranded, changed our identity. But that's this is a band with with people I've already mentioned: Matt, MSW, uh, Andrew Black, uh, and our friend uh, Blake Farron. This, uh, you know, making making music together, making metal music together, is uh, something we've been doing for quite a quite a long time now. And uh, yeah, have, having uh, having someone like Todd King Volume Records. Uh, have enough faith in the record to resurrect it and and uh, put it on wax is is pretty awesome. Actually, right right after this interview, I'm gonna go 
meet up with with the guys and give them the their personal copies of the record we just got them in the mail and they look Ooh. incredible and we're gonna have a an old school hang and reminisce and and look at the <laughs> records together and drink a couple beers Good. awesome that's awesome um, and then I guess the other project that you had uh, was uh, Urzite. Is it, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, is that done? Is that like per- permanently finished, or is that on hold? I mean, we've never said like it's permanently finished, but it's been on hiatus uh, for. Excuse me. Uh, it's been on hiatus for seven years. Um, so I, we don't have any plans to do anything. I, I, I am of the mindset of like, never say never, but for, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, we're not a band. Okay. But Cause was, I mean, uh, yes, yeah, it's a really cool sound. Um, it, it's like, it's somewhat similar to Mismo at points, but it's very, uh, it's more abrasive. It's more biting, um, a little more chaotic. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I find, I found it was a fun sort of contrast to Mismore in that way, because Urzite's a lot more like close to kind of traditional black metal where it's like still got some crusty, heavy metal punk kind of vibes mm-hmm. in there. And uh, the the other two members, Rory and Mike from, uh, they're best known now for their band Tram Vera Foul, um, mm-hmm. they were bringing, uh, they were br- definitely bringing the sort of more nasty disgusting influence to it so we met in the middle uh, you know balancing out the sound so there was a little bit of atmosphere and prettiness and mostly just disgusting pummeling rock and roll black metal and i I think that's shit's really really fun um triumph of foul they correct me if i'm wrong but they just said that this was their last album right the one that they just did the onslaught to seraphim i believe that's true it's sad that is sad because it's a fantastic project. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of do that thing the best, you know? Mm-hmm. It's Definitely. So, so fast and chaotic. And just if I'm going to listen to something like that, I'm probably going to reach for that. Yeah. It's like kind of suffocating with how uh, punishing it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, <laughs> long time ago, uh, I I sat in on, on bass live and I helped them play their first show. <laughs> back in the Urzite days and they just had like a uh, their first triumvir file tape or something i yeah i I did one concert with them it's not it's not my kind of i never play that kind of music but Uh i'll I'll try to try to play the bass i don't know if i can play it that fast but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I mean, we we've talked about music, so we kind of want to get to know some other stuff about you outside of music. Um, I guess, like, do you have any other hobbies and interests? Like, are you into like cinema or like reading? What else do you like? Yeah, um, you know, a little bit of everything. I'm kind of boring. I don't know. Like, I do I do music and I do drawing, and then like, uh, yeah, I like TV and movies. I like some video games. I spend a lot of time taking care of my house. Um, I'm a newer homeowner with my partner uh and you know there's lots of congrats hey thanks there's lots of housework and yard work to constantly be doing i you know i just mostly do chores and art (laughs) but i I do i do i do relax with with tv movies and video games i read a little bit it takes me i enjoy reading but i'm i'm a slow reader and that uh 
takes a lot to get me to commit to read the whole book. A lot of times I'll read like the first quarter and be like, yeah, this isn't happening for me. <laughs> so I, know. I, read, I read maybe like one or two books a year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just slow. So it has to be a, a specific kind of thing for me to like really invest the time in it. I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of the same. Um, and I keep saying I'm going to read stuff and then I just end up rereading Lord of the Rings again. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings is definitely my all time favorite, uh, movies. Mm-hmm. I've, Very good. I've, Mine too. I've spent some time reading the Hobbit and, um, most of the trilogy. I never finished it and some of the Silmarillion, uh, but yeah, like I, I watch the movies at least once a year. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I used to do a marathon once a year where like it's kind of impossible to do it in one night, but over like a course of a weekend, like maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, watch like all three movies extended edition. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't. You can't? Oh, I can't wait to do it. Um, oh. <laughs> I was like, I have kids. my kids are like seven and four. So I'm like waiting for them to like get into that kind of stuff, you know, like full-fledged like be able to like you know watch a movie with real people and all that stuff and not like be too boring and you know right like right. i got a little bit of time before i can like really dive into that again that makes sense um w- w- before we started recording um you were saying you're from originally from australia and um Forgive me if this is 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 heresy to compare the two, but did, have you been able to go to New Zealand and see any of the sites from the the filming of the movies? So I actually uh, am a New Zealand citizen. I, I moved here oh. from Australia, but before that, I was in New Zealand um, and originally South Africa. So I'm kind of like from all oh, over. Wow. But um, but yes, I have done quite a few of the hikes um, in the South Island and the North Island around like the, the filming sites. And uh, I have been to uh, Weta Workshop where they do all the special effects and props for all the movies. Oh, um, so and cool. if you're ever there, I highly, highly recommend doing the tour because um, you can actually go in and handle uh, a lot of the props from the movies. They have like all the chain mail and stuff and some of the swords and some of it you can't touch, but some of them are like, yeah, you can you can like touch it. Like It's, it's pretty sweet. That is ab- absolutely bucket list for me. I'm just like waiting yeah. to get to get a cool like fest invitation for Ms. Moore so that I have an excuse to take my friends there so that we can see Lord of the Rings shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, there's like a hike you can do. It's um, trying to think what it's called in Tiano. I think it's called, let me just double check the name of it. Uh, Tiano. I think, I think it's called the Kepler track, but I want to confirm. Um, yeah. I want to say it's the Kepler track, but uh, it's like three or four days. If you ever have time, but you, you end up uh, in like this mount. It's over a mountain into a valley, um, and there's like uh, huts along the way that you can stay in as you hike for like overnight. Just bring a sleeping bag and like a little gas cooker, and um, that's where they actually filmed uh, all like the scenes with the ants with the the forest um, yeah. and all that stuff. And then like a lot of the hikes, you, you'll kind of recognize some of the mountain ranges from the movie and stuff. So it's like there's just a lot of iconic scenery in that in that small area, and then just north of there. You have Paradise, where they filmed a lot of the scenes as well. Um, so there's a lot in that sort of area, in about a couple of hours driving distance from each other. So cool. Yeah, and actually, uh, Queenstown, it, it doesn't look like it, but Queenstown in New Zealand is actually 
where they created Mordor and they um they just edited it. No, not Mordor. It's um it's a Mordor or Isengard. One of the two. It's either Mordor or Isengard. Um, mm-hmm. but they just edited the mountains there to look darker and more ominous, and and that's actually the range outside the city there. Sorry, I can talk about Lord of the Rings for forever, so I better not go down that. <laughs> I, I won't be. I won't be bothered by that. <laughs> I um I did actually meet the um former. I want to say his head of international distribution at Amazon. Um, I, I met him at a like a work party thing, and uh, he was responsible for putting out Rings of Power. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and I, he was like very curious for me to give an honest opinion about what I thought of the show. So I was, what did you think of the show? (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) I was very tactful um, because obviously like, I don't want to insult someone that's worked on it. Um, I feel like visually it was stunning. Um, I appreciated the world building aspect of it, but I feel like it missed a lot of the character and essence of, of the movies and the books. Um, I feel like they kind of shifted it to be more of like an action adventure type feel, which is not what it was about. It was more about like high stakes fate of, of the world type thing, good versus evil, um, expansion of empires and like war between cultures. Like, I, and I feel like that some of that was kind of lost in the, Hey, we're on an adventure. Let's be like heroes type vibe of the show. But that, that's my personal take. Sure. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah, I, I have. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I know there are uh, there are nits to pick for like the true heads out there, mm-hmm. uh, but like with painting with broad strokes, I I really liked it. I'm optimistic for the second season because I feel like they're going to be very receptive to feedback, um, yeah. given how much money's gone into it, and they've taken some time to actually break between the first and second season to sort of see how it was received. So, sure, um, yeah, yeah, I think season two is going to be better. And I think it'll address some of the stuff that people got really thought heard about. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting because like that's de- like as like a true fan, that's definitely one way you can go is to like get butt hurt and be really picky about like the integrity of it. But another way you can go, which is where I'm at, is just like I'm just here for it, dude. Like yeah. I I love that that universe so much that like if if as you say like making it more adventure focused is the price i have to pay to get a new series in that universe <laughs> right small small price for me i'm i'm just i'm just here for it anything give it to me you know right <laughs> I, i'm the same yeah I, I do agree that aspect it was nice just to see more of the world and have more lord of the rings content out there um yes. so th- i mean that that's why i felt conflicted because I, I was happy just to see it and experience it again and I did think they did make it visually stunning, and some of the parts are pretty cool. But and then like I'm just I just spent so much time reading those books, and I'm such a freaking nerd about it that there are some things that really bothered me. But I'm trying. I think I'm just being picky, honestly, and I, I, I'm definitely not as picky as some of the people on the internet because some people like literally will pick on things like, "Well, the armor was too shiny," and like, "Dude, calm down!" Like, ah! <laughs> those people that was have an, no no joy in their lives. It wasn't was a, dirty enough. That was an actual complaint. Like, I'm not even making that up. That was an actual complaint. I saw someone give like the show like a review of like one star. Like even like the armor was too polished and shiny. And like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't had a chance to get dirty yet. Like, what's their problem? <laughs> it's hot off, hot off the forge. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like. <laughs> but also, the the other thing that people need to take into account is that 
the estate didn't actually give them full access to a lot of the texts. Um, That's right, yeah. So they, they didn't actually let them work with a lot of stuff. So that a lot of the stuff they actually did have to kind of make up as they went along and kind of fill in gaps. Um, so that that is kind of like, you know, that, you have to cut them some slack in that aspect as well of like accuracy to the text because they weren't allowed to use it. Totally. <laughs> or like they'll say like that sword wasn't from that era. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get that. <laughs> But uh, there's some timeline stuff, but I just I just don't care. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, as far as adaptations go, I don't know if either of you are watching um, The Last of Us at the moment. I am. Not what yet. Do you think, I'm, what are your I'm thoughts? I, I I'm liking it a lot. I think. Me too. I'm, I think I'm behind one episode. Uh, okay. But but I think it's yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed both video games and. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, so so far, the show is yeah amazing, and <laughs> I had zero expectations because uh, video game adaptations are rarely good, and just right. there was so much so much hype around it that I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope it's cool, but I'm I'm not going to be bummed at all if I turn it on and it totally sucks. Yeah, I felt <laughs> the same way. I mean, I was so pleasantly surprised because um, the only thing I, I knew was going to be great was Pedro Pascal because I absolutely love that dude and everything he touches, but. Um, yeah, they, yeah, it looks like it's they, got a great cast. It does, yeah. And I, I like that even the parts where they've made like creative changes have worked. They've done it well, they've done it tastefully. And I, I don't know about you, but I watch those things after the episode where they kind of talk mm-hmm. through it and stuff. And I think all their changes were like very justified. And like, I, I understand why they did it type thing. Oh, I think I missed that. that so there's like a, like a behind the scenes at the end. Yeah. Are you watching it on like the HBO app or? Yes. Yeah, so if you stick around at the end, they actually have a behind-the-scenes thing every episode, and they they walk through like um, the, why they wrote it this way, and they interview the actors and stuff, and they talk about like how they played that 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 scene and stuff. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay, cool. Ooh, yeah. That's what I also I haven't. That's what I haven't watched. It is I gotta read. I gotta either get HBO again or trade somebody like. Netflix or something like that for yeah. HBO does like consistently good stuff. Like there yeah, there are very few HBO shows that I'm like, oh, that sucked. We were sharing it with somebody, and then like I don't know what happened, but then all of a sudden we were like, wait, everybody's logged out because like we all had like everybody shared like account profile stuff, you know? It was just funny, and now all of a sudden we're like, no, no, there's stuff (laughs) I want to do. So just because we are coming sort of close on time, uh, Brendan, I know you have some questions you wanted to ask uh, during the interview, so I'll let you uh, fire those off. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what was your, uh, like, playing live music, um, what's your your favorite place to play around um, Portland? Oh, like uh, as far as venues go? Yeah. Good question. Um, in terms of the metal scene, there's actually only a handful of places where shows seem to happen. Um, there was one that I think everyone really liked uh, for a few reasons, one of them being the ownership uh, was really great. Uh, that was called the Tonic Lounge, and it closed a few years ago. Oh. Uh, pre-print, pre-pandemic, didn't have anything to do with that. Um, but that that was, uh, I think, a lot of people's kind of base spot uh, in the metal scene for for a, a few years. Um, 
Now, I really like to play the Star Theater. It's in downtown Portland. Um, it's kind of a, a sister venue to the venue around the corner from it, which is called Dante's, uh, which also a lot of shows happen at. Um, but Star Theater, uh, it just kind of has like a cool old, old theater vibe to it. Uh, like big red curtains that are tied back and it has a little nice. bal balcony area and um, it's just a good size. Um, it's, it's easy to, if you have a good draw, it's easy to fill, um, but it doesn't feel small, too small or too big. It's like just for, for most of the, uh, the metal bands that play there. Uh, nice. So at the moment, that's probably my, favorite place to play in terms of like the aesthetic and the presentation of the venue but i think the other the other place that's worth mentioning so like after the tonic lounge closed most shows either went to star theater or dante's downtown uh, or they went to this place called the high water mark and the high water mark is is pretty small it's more of the like bar club vibe um but it's got a really good vibe and and mood to it and sometimes it's really fun to do a super small like sold out show there and uh it's it's even a fun place to go uh, when they're not doing shows it's just got that kind of homey bar uh welcoming kind of feeling to it for for alt people and so i, I like that place a lot as well is uh, Star Lounge the one that's just down the street from Powell's Books? Uh, it is close to Powell's Books. Yeah. It's okay. Not, it's not quite just down the street, but okay. with, within within a handful of blocks. Yeah, they're they're in the I, same general I, area. I think I remember that one. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I that I, I I would recommend seeing a show there sometime if you can. Nice. And then um, I guess what's your uh, what like your favorite cities like when you get out of. Uh, out of, out of your city like where are you like going like to play like i really like being in colorado uh usually we either play colorado springs or denver nice. um we have a lot of friends there and i just also like mm -hmm. uh it feels not too dissimilar from from oregon in a lot of ways um i also like to play austin austin's a fun city to play um, yeah chicago is fun um i love to play saint vitus in brooklyn new york that place is awesome oh, yeah. um let's see and really just getting out and doing shows in general is just so fun uh we had a we had a really good show at yeah love new mexico cool stuff. yeah there's some cool stuff going around there yeah, the, the the desert vibes are just really fun too. The vegetation and like the red clay color everywhere, and I also yeah. really love like getting everything covered in chili, uh, green chili, <laughs> red chili, Christmas, Christmas yes. style. Yeah, it's Christmas crazy. style always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, is there any places that like you? You're like I'm. I'm never going back there again. <laughs> uh no not necessarily uh, we've had we've had uh, a difficult time through the years at, at, in multiple projects uh playing boise 
that's uh, always like supposed to be a better turnout than it is for one reason or another. Uh, that one's always tricky. I, I wouldn't. I'm not saying I wouldn't play there anymore. It just like yeah. Is it is it gonna be the same as always though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm open I'm open to Boise giving us a good show. Right, right. His, Give them another chance. When, when is it going to happen? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, when we were uh, talking about uh, ambient music and whatnot, um, your album you put out with um, the split. Like I think it was like your first song that you made as Mesmore. Um, with the birds, uh, did you record that in like your backyard, or um, where how, where did you get all that? Oh shit! You're talking about uh, Mismore Zero, yeah, and the, and the Yove release that's Sorceress and Mismore, yeah, uh, yeah. That was recorded. I mean, those are just uh, those were just free samples I found on the internet. This was like, ah. this was in like 2010, 2011, before I knew anything about how to make a cool recording or you know anything like that uh i was 19 or 20 making that song and just like opening my laptop and being like i want to hear birds you know so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that just yeah that is just like a bedroom song and uh as far as as far as the the bird samples went i i found those on the internet oh. <laughs> Be be nice to me. No, <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. no, that's cool. No, I was like, hmm, I wonder. I just, I'm just curious about that. Um, and then, uh, well, I always love asking about uh, food. But if uh, James and I were coming knocking on the door, where are we gonna go get some lunch? We would probably go get tacos. All right. Tacos are, I think, probably my favorite food. They're so versatile, and I also like the way they sit in my body like for especially for lunch like if you eat something too heavy then like you can't work anymore and i feel like the taco is like it's a good punch of protein and you just have a corn tortilla instead of like a wheat bun or sandwich type thing you know and right right get to have salsa and chips you know chilies some veggies some some fermented vibe uh yeah tacos every day love them hell yeah did you uh manage to hit any taco places up when you were down in san diego uh not san diego but we had incredible tacos in la we played the catch one and mm -hmm. K kitty corner to the venue there was just a stand mm -hmm. uh and it was good. I don't. I don't even think it had a name. You know, like, <laughs> those places are selling, the best. <laughs> selling tacos straight off the grill, tamales from the cooler. You know that type of thing. Mm, was, yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, we are very spoiled in uh, Southern California for tacos. Like any, anything Mexican, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are. Yeah. We are. We are. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Um. Are there what's your what's your uh, favorite brewery over there? Oh, I don't think I have a favorite. Um in in Portland in the Northwest, like there's this this uh trend that's been going for a while. It's starting to change, uh but like there's just an oversaturation of IPAs and like oh, imperial IPAs and just I, I liked it at first. Uh, you know, I do like the flavor of, of hops and, and pine and whatnot, but it's mm. gotten so intense. It's like, how strong and disgusting can you make it and still get <laughs> someone to buy it? 
And <laughs> when you when you go to like the corner store or whatever to just get a six pack of beer, the entire cooler is different kinds of IPAs and then like Coors Light and Pabst. Like there's just there's no, no in between. There's no diversity. Everyone just thinks everyone wants IPAs. So like I'm kind of getting burnt burnt out on like the nice beer microbrewery Northwest thing right now. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's, I don't want to be unfair. Like there's, that's not the only thing. And uh, my, my favorite mm. kind of beer is sour, uh, sour All right. and, and gozes, uh, mixed ferment type of thing. And uh, there are some, some pretty good options for that. Um, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of like sour specific Mm. Though, though there is there is one called great notion um that oh i'll check it out some pretty good stuff but they get they get a little too crazy for me they do like the uh like the puree beers where it's like uh, you're like eating yeah. like alcoholic baby food yeah yeah no that's not fun and I like, work, it, uh, it tastes uh, good but i can't yeah. have a whole one of those in my stomach yeah <laughs> uh, yeah those are like like milkshakey like yeah. kind of yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I work for a brewery that makes uh sours and um oh, nice. They're blended um with fruit and whatnot, but then uh it's like you know, fruit concentrate puree, like you know what I mean? So like but it gets yeah. filtered out like, you know, through like just naturally settlement, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. So it's just it's never been like, you know, you're not getting chunky beer. You're getting like nice, good beer with like, depending on the fruit, you know, like it'll stain your clothes for sure. <laughs> yeah, know? sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those milkshakey ones, I, I've had a few from other places and I'm just like, whoa, what is yeah. this about? <laughs> they're, they're definitely interesting to taste. I just don't want a whole one. Yeah. yeah. If you're uh, ever playing in Australia, like you told there one day, and you go to a city called Brisbane, there's a brewery called uh, Brisbane Brewing Company that was like a five-minute walk from my old place, and uh, they do the best sours I've ever had anywhere. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. They they change it up. Like every week they have a different sour, um, and uh, they've gone through like everything you could possibly think of. Like uh, there's one that was graham cracker, and that was absolutely what? amazing. Wow. Um, <laughs> you, would, you would not guess it, and it was so good. Um, and then they have like... Uh, this cucumber, they did strawberry, guava, pineapple, uh, mango, you know, anything you can think of, they've gone through it. Yeah. 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 We do one that's, we, we do a few that are pretty cool. Yeah, we do a peach one, a blueberry one, pineapple, a passion fruit and dragon fruit one. Oh, passion fruit. That sounds so good. Yeah. That's one. That one's really popular. Well, we make a shit ton of that one. It's good. I'll send you yeah. some. <laughs> oh, you're you're too kind. Yeah, I'll get you some. <laughs> he, he will. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I I won't I won't refuse. It sounds great. <laughs> uh, you got any more questions, Brendan? Uh no. I, I think we're good. Yeah, we know we're eating. We know we're drinking. And then uh, cool. Yeah, I have. Uh, I got what, one more question for you, then. Um, okay. And this is this is a tough one. If you were on a desert island and you had a solar powered discman. And nothing else but three CDs. What would they be? Wow, that's that's tough. Uh, I would definitely need an Enya CD. Okay, 
I don't care which one, but I because they're all great. Um, but I'm, I'm I would definitely need to listen to Enya. I would probably. I don't even know if this exists as a CD. I think it does. I would uh, I would probably need Burning Witch, Crippled Lucifer. Okay. And so that would scratch that would scratch my doom itch. Cold World, Melancholy Two. Great album. Good choice. I don't know. Yeah. If you give me another ten minutes, I'd probably come up with completely different answers. But I just pulled, <laughs> pulled those out of my butt. <laughs> that's uh, that's why I like to put people on the spot with it, see what like first comes to mind type thing. So yeah, that's a, it's a tough question though. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I knew it was um, going to be a tough one, but that was I was like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Just before you go. Um, where can people follow you and find your music? Uh, people can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, if you just search for Mismore, I sell uh, merch myself. I, I handle my own merch store in the U.S. at mismore.bigcartel.com. I ship worldwide. I also have a merch store uh, in Europe for people wanting to save on shipping through Evil Greed. And uh, I have my own Bandcamp page uh, for selling digital albums. That's mesmore.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, everyone listening at home, thanks for tuning in. And uh, come back next time. We have another guest. Thanks for having me.